Welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. There's Stevie Wonder with his song, Cold Chill. Better get used to that with the weather coming up. All right, here we are. Welcome back, folks. It is uh, coming up to 11 a.m. We're going to take our 11 a.m. break, and then on the other side, we're going to speak to uh, Stephen A. Theberge. Did I get it right that time, Stephen? Yep. I'm going to get this mic a little bit closer to you. He's a uh, local gentleman and an author. Um, Where are we here? Oh, I just lost the page for crying out loud. Born in Lewiston, Maine in March 1963 right before Muhammad Ali beat Sonny Liston for the second time. We'll be back with Stephen after this. You're listening to WARA, 1320 AM, Attleboro. Project Citizenship and the Literacy Center are holding a citizen workshop to help people fill out that N-400 application for citizenship. The workshop will take place in the Attleboro Public Library's Balfour Room from 3 to 8 p.m. on February 28th. Project Citizenship is a nonprofit agency that works collaboratively with community-based partners to help eligible, legal permanent residents overcome barriers to become a U.S. citizen. If you would like to attend the workshop, you can register by calling Project Citizenship at 617-694-5949. For over 46 years, Amigo Incorporated, located at 33 Perry Avenue in Attleboro, has been offering services and programs for children and adults with autism spectrum disorders and other disabilities. Amigo has been committed to building vital relationships with their expanding community on the local level. From day programs to transitional planning, Amigo provides a continuum of services and support for all ages. For more information, you can view their website at amigoinc.org. Call us now at 508-222-1320. That's 508-222-1320. Ah, rats. There's my first bang, bing, bing already. Didn't get that in there. Darn the luck. There's Chet Atkins, Cold, Cold Heart. That goes along with the Cold, Cold Feet we were discussing earlier from Tracy Chapman. All right. Welcome back to Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat. And uh, we're with Stephen Theberge, the author of the Met She Message. Uh, Stephen, you're a local author. Let's start off uh, telling folks about yourself a little bit. I was born in Lewiston, Maine. I moved to Attleboro when I was very young. Um, I went to Perkins School for the Blind in the 60s, 68 to 82. Did you happen to know a gentleman there um, named Bruce Alexander? No, he was about 10. I know the name, but he was about 10 years ahead of me. Okay. So you're calling him old? No, no, he's ahead of me. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> but anywho, I interrupted. So you went to Perkins School for the Blind. And I went to Rhode Island College I, where I took writing and computer science and went into business for a while developing software for the blind. Um, mm-hmm. Right now I'm currently working for the MBTA. I do ADA compliance testing, which basically means I go on the buses, subways, commuter rail, make sure they're announcing stops and doing whatever else they're supposed to do for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. I also do um, web testing at home, accessibility testing to make sure websites are more accessible for disabled people mm-hmm. and or people with disabilities. I should should say, but yeah. um, and I'm also writing the sequel to this first book. So this is my um, 
new, old new book because it's been out a year. So yeah. Almost. Uh-huh. Yeah, more than a year. Okay. And um, you yourself are vision impaired. Yeah. And so what's your situation in terms of, you know, 20%, 50%, Oh, it's, 80%? it's all over the place. I, don't, I never saw it out of my right eye. I used to be right on the border of what they used to call legal blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like I, it's really foggy now. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's pretty clear, but you don't want to be behind the wheel for sure. Okay. Well, and since you're looking in my direction, now's a good time to have foggy vision because I don't think you want to see the clear <laughs> picture of me. So tell us a little bit about your book, The Metshi Message. Uh, said, you know, young Andre with a severe visual disability, you wouldn't know a thing about that now, would no. you? <laughs> Experiences years of alienation, frustration, and abiding sadness in the face of human beings' cruelty to one another at his boarding school for the blind and then later at college. His sources of joy are few, good food, music, and computer science, and eventually the arms of his lover, John. Only in middle age does he learn that he and very few others have been chosen by two far superior alien races to deliver a crucial message to all of humankind. So the first part of that sounds kind of autobiographical. The second part of that, uh, I imagine, comes more from your imagination. Yeah, well, I Basically, that was the I, I was gonna do an autobiography about someone that went to blind school, and I said, "Well, that must have been done. I'm sure it would be fine." But mm-hmm. I wrote science fiction stories when I was very young, so I said, "Why not combine plots?" So there's three stories in one in there that kind of come together at the end. But the aliens are basically it's like our solar system, yeah. but Mars would have also have aliens, so there were two races which formed an alliance, that's where you get the title. They were Metans, that's one alien race, yeah. and um, Shenans, so that's Met, they formed an, an alliance because they've been around 50,000 years longer than us. So they, they're concerned about how we, we were like the first planet they discovered okay. in like Egyptian times, so for them it was like we were a big deal because it was the first planet they discovered, of course they go everywhere else, but they're kind of concerned about, because they had a, a violent evolution as well, they almost destroyed each other. Mm-hmm. That was like 50,000 years ago. So that that's, um, you know, definitely the sci-fi plot, but a lot of it's the autobiographical or mm-hmm. fictional um, part of the school. Uh, like I always say, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Right. Because yeah. every, every name except you-know-who is, yeah. is in there. So people have read it at different levels, and I know some people who have never read sci-fi say, I, I really enjoyed this. Mm. And so, you know... I guess when you're a reader, you have to have an open mind. I mean, there's, there's books I've, people said, I, have you ever read this? And I'm like, I don't read that stuff. But and you read it and you enjoy it. So mm. you never know. Excellent. Who were some of uh, your science fiction influences when you were growing up? Oh, I like the classic Arthur C. Clarke, Robert Heinlein, Philip K. Dick. I'm, I could go on. I didn't bring a list. I didn't yeah. know I was going to be quizzed. But oh, no, no, seriously, <laughs> no, seriously, I like I like the classic but stuff mostly, you know, uh-huh. um, the day the Earth stood still, you know. I'm so I'm definitely old school as far as sci-fi. I mean, they are making good sci-fi now as far as writing. There's so many writers out there. Mm. That's a whole other story. Just just being able to stand out as a writer. Mm-hmm. And How about the old Twilight Zone episodes? Oh, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Twilight Zone is awesome. Yeah. I remember the radio. Twi- you must be familiar with that. I don't know. Oh yeah, yep. Yep. yep, those were great. Yeah, and, I mean, and- I like the TV, but the radio ones are so good because you really have to use your imagination. Mm. Because I can't see the screen half the time anyway, so it's like I love them. Yeah. Yep. Now, and if you're up at I think it's three and four in the morning, MeTV is playing Outer Limits now. 
Yeah, they, that's actually had on the weekends. I think if one or two. Yeah, but something like it's late. Yeah. yeah. But I, I liked some of the Outer Limits. Um, mm-hmm. Architects of Fear, that was a great one. Uh, yeah, gosh. We're talking to Stephen Thaburge here. His new book is The Met She Message. Actually, it came out last year. Where do people get your book? That card I gave you? I, you you probably do better okay. at it than I am. I... A rickety snack, Norman Diff, Thorup. I'm upside sorry, down. I was holding it upside down. My fault. <laughs> yes. Uh, but up, but up, but up. DLD books. Uh, where Dark are we com. here? Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, let me look at the... Uh, right what? near the bottom of the... Do you have the card? Yes. Because I can tell you, but... Oh, there it is. The website is dldbooks.com slash Stephen. That's with a P-H, not the lazy way with a V. Stephen with a P-H. Uh, Theberge, that's T-H-E-B-E-R-G. Uh, so again, www.dldbooks.com slash Stephen Theberge. Slash, and then um, there's an e at the end of that. Did you say that? Yes. T h e b e r g e slash, and then your email. You have the French pronunciation of Stephen Atn, Atn, which is e t i e n n e at a a a hawk dot com. Do you go by Atn at all? Um, not very often. I mean, it looks good on emails, like with that accent I put on in there. But they can get all that in the website. They can email me through that. And there's all the buying sites, the Amazon, Create Space for the Hardcovers, Kobo, a yep. whole bunch of choices. Boy. So just type it into Google, folks, and it'll come well, up. Well, you could type the, that Metchi message into right. Google, and it would come up. And the Metchi, it's spelled M-E-T, capital S-C-H-E, the Metchi message. Wow. Um you grew up, um, it was a harsher time back in the day. Now we have all kinds of anti-bullying campaigns and all that stuff, which have been very effective everywhere except the White House. <laughs> um, but back in the day, um, I don't want to say bullying was encouraged, but it was a lot more prevalent. Yeah. Um, did you have to struggle with that when you were younger? Oh, yeah, I think everyone did. I mean, it's a lot of that in the book. Yeah. And, you know, it was, they just didn't call it, it was normal, I mean. Yeah. It wasn't right, I mean, but they didn't do much about it. Mm. So, you know, the current, the things that have changed over the years are, uh, I mean, I think the technology is wonderful, but I don't know, I, I don't really want, I wonder sometimes, because, you know, we were more aware of it, but human nature being what it is, it's really hard to say, well, we keep, we're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, your book, The Metchi Message, uh, would you consider it an uplifting story, uh, an accurate story? How would you how would you term it when you get to the uh... Uh, the end? Is ho- hopeful, I guess. I wouldn't say it was uplifting, but okay. you know, there's good and bad. It's I kind of tried to make it true to life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like the sci-fi stuff is good if you like that. But it, I I kind of like think any good writer not not that I'm a good writer or anything, but you know, any writer that's trying to is um, has to be. You know, have the human element in there because they have sci-fi stuff that is so far out there. It's like you, you want a story. You want people interacting. You yep. want, you know, the good or the bad. You know, you talk about bullying, but you find nice people. So it's all. A, I don't care what kind, for any writers out there. It's like you have to have that realistic touch to the, yep. you know, humanity in there. Mm-hmm. And in terms of acknowledgments, acknowledgments uh, for your book, uh, who are the people that helped you along the way in getting the Metchi message published? Well, I would say my English teacher at Perkins, Tony Ackerman, he's passed, um, really made me love English because most people don't like English, but, you know, writing and reading Shakespeare and all that. But I guess I was an oddball. But he, I mean, my father was a se- very self-taught, and he, he passed 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he really had a love for, he wrote books two years ago. Um, 
they didn't have the internet, so it was yeah. a real struggle. Yeah. Gosh. And who, um, the publisher of this book? That's DLD Books. It's it's yeah. they're a husband and wife team. They kind of semi-retired. Um, David and Leonard Dvorkin. They they've done over forty books. A lot um, a lot of their clients are, are um, legally blind, but they do had it really good. Um, they did a great job getting my book online. Mm -hmm. She worked with me in the editing. David Dvorkin did the cover, designs the covers. Yeah. And I don't see the Starship Enterprise anywhere in the cover of this no, book. I, I think there's, I couldn't go there. <laughs> well, so tell us a little bit about the protagonist in your story, young Andre. Uh, does this follow him just during a few short years in his youth? Does it follow no, him over the course of his life? 68 to, um, Almost the present because I wrote it and finished it in 2016. Okay. Well, I get it published. Actually, I finished it in 08. It took me forever to find a publisher. Yeah. But And what are some of our young Andre's strong, and not so young Andre near the end of the book, some of his strong shoots, some of his challenges? Tell us a little bit more um, about that well, character gets, and gets, why, the, why the readers would be compelled to keep turning the page. Well, he has, he's um, a fighter. He, he has human weaknesses like everyone else. He, he's a daredevil. He's a troublemaker. A normal kid, you know? Yeah. And then he grows up and he's a, he does what every other adult does, you know, makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a human character. I think, you know, he's not evil or anything, so it, I'm not saying he's super good, but yeah. he, he, I think people can relate to that. And it's it's not really the issue that, you know, it, in the blurb, it's like it, you don't really, when you see it at the blind school, you just see people as people. It doesn't matter about the disability. So. Yeah. And you mentioned troublemaking. So in your youth, when you got mad at your roommate, would you rearrange the furniture? Uh, that, that, we didn't have too much of that, but we, we just got into, well, in those days, you got in more kid trouble, mm -hmm. you know, kids got caught smoking, cigarettes, I mean, pot too, but, you know, it was, it was just the normal things that we grew up with in the 60s, 70s, you know, yeah. drinking was more prevalent among teenagers. So you, we saw, I saw a lot of things growing up, so I said, people probably, yeah. I mean, it's, it's today, it's the same, but it's more, oh, there's more awareness. Mm. You know, it's funny. Drinking was more prevalent when we were younger, but I don't think binge drinking was. It's like now the kids drink less, but when they do, yeah, boy, oh, yeah. boy, oh, boy, they let it rip. Whereas in our generation, it was more common to, you know, sit around with your buddies yeah. and have a few yep. beers. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, heck, four years of college, I only threw up once. Yeah. <laughs> but amazing. Anyway, we're talking to uh, Stephen... Uh, Theberge, give us the Canadian pronunciation that, that your mother be, prefers. Theberge. Well, my my mother's that's how they pronounce it in Canada. She's French Canadian. And okay. I hope she's listening. I, I supposedly have a lot of listeners, but good. And when you say around the world, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Yes. Uh, over the air is thirteen twenty W A R A in Attleboro, and we can be heard at WARARadio.com all over the world. Um. What made you want to write your own book? It's an awful lot of effort. The time you t you said it took you almost what from two thousand eight to two thousand sixteen. Well, I finished in a way. I, well, I was if I I was writing for basically when I was a kid, I wrote one of the alien races, and when I was in college, I wrote another one. Okay. And then I was like, oh, I want to write my autobiography, and I was, so I just kind of I would say if I if it was like a nine to five job, it took me a lot longer. I, it would be like two and a half years, but it probably took five or six years to really get it done and then then the editing is a whole other thing yeah you, you need an editor that doesn't change things so much that it's not your story anymore that's why i went with them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how about uh what is the future for the human race is there any hope 
for these selfish, greedy human beings? That's a good question. You'll have to read this book and wait for my sequel. Okay. Because I, I think it's hopefully good. Some days you wonder, but... <laughs> Some days you do wonder. I wondered a lot on November 9th, 2016. I had a lot of concerns that day. What well, was November 9th? That was the day after the presidential election. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got you there. <laughs> yeah. We're talking to Stephen Theberge. That's us. S-T-E-P-H-E-N. He's not lazy. He spells Stephen with a P-H, as God intended. Stephen A. Theberge, T-H-E-B-E-R-G-E. The book is The Met-She Message. It is science fiction and uh, in some ways autobiographical there. We're going to take a break and then come back on the other side here at 1320 W-A-R-A. You're listening to Paul Healy. Have patience. He means well, usually. The monthly meeting of the Gatcher Consumer Advisory Committee will take place in the Balfour Room of the Attleboro Public Library on Thursday, January 18th from 1 to 2 p.m. This meeting is open to the public. Anyone wishing to come speak about issues with the Gatcher Fixed Route or Paratransit Services is invited to attend. Group transportation to and from the meeting is provided free of charge by Gatra, and the meeting is accessible to individuals with disabilities. To arrange for a ride to the next meeting, you can call 508-824-1367 by noon the day before the meeting. Claudino's Auto Repair, located at 310 South Main Street in Attleboro, is celebrating 25 years in the auto and truck repair business. Over the years, John Claudino and his team of mechanics have worked to build a long-lasting rapport with their customers. From oil changes to diagnostics, transmissions, and routine maintenance on foreign and domestic cars and trucks, Claudino's will keep your vehicle running. Claudino's Auto Repair, 508-226-8545 or at claudinosautorepair.com. Call us now at 508-222-1320. That's 508-222-1320. On this day in 1939, the Glenn Miller Show, also known as Music That Satisfies, debuted on CBS Radio. Wow. Well, now that we have the past covered, let's move towards the future. We're talking to our Attleboro author, Stephen A. Theberge. His book is The Met-She Message. It's a science fiction book. But uh, Stephen, uh, you don't have to be a science fiction fan to appreciate the book. No, I, I think any, if you have an open mind as a reader, you I mean, I'm not saying you're going to like everything, but I've, I've read a lot of stuff, like I said, mm-hmm. that I didn't think I'd like. So, And people that told me that they never read sci-fi in their life, it was like, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Excellent. And you mentioned you have two different alien races in this book. A little bit more about them, because that's what the title is based right. on, the um, Metshi message. Yeah. Um, there's a solar system like ours, except it has 10 planets. They didn't demote Pluto or anything, but <laughs> Ma- Mars had the Metans which is a race that basically evolved so they can change their physical form. Mm-hmm. So they might be a cat walking around out there that's one of the aliens. So, so that's part of the story, like how they can observe. And they're, they're very advanced because they're 50,000 years ahead of us. So they, I guess I'll give that away. Yeah. There's no UFOs in this book because a smart alien race would not be caught in a UFO if they were, wanted to observe Earth. So they could, they could be a, near Pluto because you know, they're so advanced. And, and the Shenans are like psychic they can read minds or more accurately 
really sense feelings and like empathy, empaths, you could say. Yeah. So these races went through a almost total destruction of 50,000 years ago. They had, they had their issues with religion and science and those same things we have. And they kind of evolved above it, although not 100%. I mean, they believe in something greater than themselves, kind of like the universe being God kind of thing. Uh. Uh, and so they, this alliance, has, they have, there's a few issues with the alliance, but generally they agree to um, observe the earth. They send some people down, or what the, I guess they call themselves people, but yep. would call them aliens. But mm. so they, they, this, they start really getting involved with us around the Kennedy assassination. And there's a lot of things that don't go 100% right. And are they trying to control the human no, they, race or help they, the human they, race? They, that's part of it. The, they, they don't want to really interfere. Because interfering would be, you know, would rebel. So, because like, I've, you know, I've read a lot of that sci-fi. It's like, I didn't want it to be like aliens capture humanity, or so they really want to just see if the, what they can do to help us. But they do give the message to a, there's a John in the book okay. who is talking to a psychiatrist, and of course they think he's nuts at first because I guess that's not politically correct to say, but they think he's nuts because he's saying I. I have to convince you this aliens talking to me and he they go through this back and forth so he, he's really where the book opens is, mm. with, is with him and i guess I, I can say the doctors get this package of handwritten stuff about andre yeah so that's where the andre story comes in and then you have to read just to figure out how does this all fit together and the aliens and i guess one good thing is i don't i kind of go back and forth so but it, it's kind of a natural flow. So you're not getting sick of reading about aliens. Then you go back to Andre, then you go to John. So it, it's kind of like they, they're kind of trying to figure out sh what kind of help can we give them without controlling them. Mm -hmm. Without violating the prime directive, as yeah. they say in yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, they would say that. But, <laughs> but there are issues. There is a little incident in the book where something goes wrong, mm -hmm. nothing major. So, so they kinda, they're kind of trying to figure out you know, well, if we can't control them, how do we help them, or how do we make people listen, yep. or what what is the message? And you kind of, you kind of find out at the end mm -hmm. what it's supposed to be. So I I didn't deliberately leave it open for a sequel because people when I wrote my first book, the first week people were saying, "Are you writing a sequel?" I said, "I never thought about that." Yeah, here I am writing again. So I guess once yeah. you start writing, it's in your yeah. blood. But, yeah, and it mentions here readers are left to imagine their own answers to these questions. What they could never doubt are the emotion and deep humanity from which this imaginative and poignant story obviously springs. So I imagine this is the kind of book where 15 people read it, 15 people could get 15 different messages from it. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, it would be basically, you're right, it's, you can read it at different levels. Mm -hmm. um, and that, hopefully a lot more than 15 people will read it. Yeah, I don't know if I have 15 readers now. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty tough to market out there, but yeah. I mean cuz it's just uh, that's the independent published indie uh, indie author. Yep. It's like last year they sent over a million books come out a year. Wow. And if I if I had a big pockets maybe I might have a chance, but that's that's a lot of books. Mm. It's like new I I haven't even really read all the old sci-fi that's come out. <laughs> Never mind the new stuff coming out all the time every yeah. day. And there's a lot more coming out than there ever was. Yeah. You got through the Ray Bradbury stuff, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
Fahrenheit 450. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. Really. Uh, We're talking to Stephen Theberge, or Theberge, here. He is an Attleboro resident. And uh, when did your family move to Attleboro? Oh, years ago. I was like nine months old, I think. Wow. So So they've been here for, well, my mom's still here. Okay. Yeah, my, my, you know, my brother and sister are here. Well, Mm -hmm. I have one in um, Pennsylvania. Okay. But, um... So, yeah. So that would have been late 63, early 64? I'm guessing, yeah. Well, that's back in the days when WARA dominated the airwaves. Around oh, yeah. I used, to, I used to call Tom in the 80s a lot. Tom Rafferty? Yeah, all the time. Excellent. Probably drove him crazy, but. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, phone number is 508-222-1320. That's 508-222-1320. You can also send a remote correspondence to me at 774 287 Nine four. Uh, the book is the Met She Message. Met She is one word, capital M, small e, small t, capital S, C H E. The author is with us. That's Stephen A. Theberge, T H E B E R G E. Type that in. You'll be able to find information online where to uh, order the book. Uh, you attended the Perkins School for the Blind in Watertown, Massachusetts. A residential student, graduated in 1982. You went to Rhode Island College. You got a BA in computer science and a second BA in English literature with a focus on creative, technical, and analytical writing. Are you still currently working for the MBTA? Oh yeah, um, it's it's keeps you fit. Work. I haven't worked. Actually, they're kind of reorganizing their office because our boss passed away, and they have to find somebody new. So at least for the next couple months, I won't be having a lot of work. But mm-hmm. it's kind of cold out there to be yeah. on the subways. But and that'll leave you more time to write. Well, that's yeah. So that's <laughs> plus there. Yeah. Wow. And you said you had uh, what, three siblings? Yeah. Or, okay. It's uh, Denise, Remy, and Karen. All right. And who does your mother love the most? Uh, I don't know. I think she loves us all the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say Remy. She gave him a Canadian name. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you remember about growing up in Attleboro in the 60s and 70s that some of our listeners might relate to? Oh, uh, Jolly Charlie. Wow. Oh, man. Um. Well, Morris is still there. Of course, they had different. Uh, I yeah. guess it's still in the family, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, it's still a nice place to eat. So, probably go down there and get some hot soup after this. But ah, um, I, I like the chicken and rice soup over there. Yeah, I like the chowder too. Mm. And they also have Manhattan if you like that. So. No, 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 no. Well, come on, things were going so well, and then you have to mention that, Stephen. Sorry. There'll be no discussion <laughs> of Manhattan chowder here. In the words of the great Aretha Franklin, "Don't you blaspheme in here." Don't you blaspheme in here, Manhattan Chowder. Chowder is white, not red. Maybe maybe in the Metchi world, oh, they allow Manhattan Chowder, but not in the world of pontificating with Paul and the <laughs> proletariat. Wow. How did you stumble onto this show? Um, I Someone was mentioning ARA, and I was like, oh, I haven't listened to that in years. And then I was like, hey, I mean, why not be, try to be a guest on here? So yeah. When did they stop speaking Spanish <laughs> at, at ARA? But, uh, yeah, uh, so what do you think of the pontificating with Paul show? Be very careful. I can turn off your microphone. I, I think you have a great sense of humor. You keep it light. And, you know, I, I wasn't worried about coming in here and you're giving me a hard time, uh, you know, yeah. except for about the shower, but that's okay. Right, right, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, no, normally I do have a, a good sense of humor, except when the subject of, you know, him comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, recently. that's good. Well, what, what, what are some other interests uh, you have beyond the writing and the science fiction? Oh, I love all kinds of music. Um, you know, a lot of classic music. I don't like too much of the newer music. Not to say that there's not, no, no, no good stuff out there. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's why I like Christmas. You lo- I love the music. I, lo- I like um, movies, more of the old stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
Well, I like the audio described movies because I really can't see them as much as I yeah. used to. But I mean, I still love dramas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, where do you stand on uh, it's it's a Christmas season? It's a Wonderful Life. Is that a great movie about a community coming together? I, I or is that uh, communist propaganda, as uh, Hoover tried to tell people back in the day? Well, I, I don't think about that when I watch movies because you can't enjoy them. It's like I hope people don't analyze my book as uh, whatever they're going to. An- it's just just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, it's it's like all the classic movies. You, you start thinking of the politics. It's like forget that. Mm. Then you don't enjoy it. That's like that's too much like college. You're trying to pick away at a plot. It's like what does this mean? Yeah. What did the writer mean? The writer didn't think of it either that much. Because once you start writing, you, you edit later. But you don't really think. Do I want this plot with? Well, what's this a metaphor for? Yeah, it's, a metaphor it's, for. It's not a metaphor for anything. It's it's what it says it is. Yeah. Um, excuse me. In terms of your editors, on, on that on that view, your editors, um, what were some of the things that they said? Yes, this is work. This works. More of this, and perhaps um, maybe this over here that's not working did, as much. Less did, of that. It was hard for me to tell what they. I did read it. You know, of course, when they gave it back to me, there were some things they took out which weren't a big deal. We had a back and forth. So I read it, my book so many times just through the editing. And there was yeah. something I said I wanted in there that I thought was important, like how long do the aliens live? Mm. And they took that out, probably not you know, intentionally, because that's a tough process, this editing. And yeah. I mean, it's really hard to do with a talking computer. When, you know, If you have the vision, you can kind of like just see it. Because yeah. I'd, I'd still be editing if it was yeah. not for them. So do you, can you physically read books, or do you have to go with the audio book approach? Um, well, I, I should say I can't really. I mean, it would take me forever. Yeah. I mean, I have a thing that blows up the print for my mail. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can, but it's easier for the audiobooks. Like I said, I, I, it would take me forever. Okay. So, yeah, I'm blind, <laughs> basically. And um, how'd you get here today? I walked. I'm very close. Oh, great. I didn't. I went through the museum entrance, but. Yeah, well, that's fine. Didn't you say blue awning? Yes. But I think that said for rent on there, but. That's oh, okay. Yeah, that's the sign below it. That's where the uh, Chamber of Commerce used to oh, be okay. here in Plainville. Now, we're talking to Stephen A. Theberge, T-H-E-B-E-R-G-E. The book is The Met She Message. You can go to, uh, he's got a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Stephen Theberge dot five four five. What's the five four five stand for? I, they, they do that. I don't. Oh, they I just them. I signed up and that's what they gave me. All right. And, um. And if people, once again, if people want to read your book, your science fiction book, where do, you, where do they go? That's dldbooks.com forward slash S-T-E-P-H-E-N-T-H-E-B-E-R-G-E. You don't really need the forward slash. Yeah. And that'll get you to all the buying sites. The, you can read a 15% sample of the book. It's in e-books. Um, it's, of course, a hardcover. Yeah. Two ninety nine for the e-book. And twelve ninety five for the um, print, the hardcover. Yeah, which soft you, cover, soft cover. Hey, I, yeah. I want to be a paperback writer. Well, here I yeah, am. there it is. There it is. Well, which you uh, have, Paul. Thanks. Happy New Year. Best regards, Stephen. And again, that's Stephen with the PH. Mm-hmm. Your mother did not give you the lazy spelling of that name. Well, anything else we should know before we let you go? Uh, I just want to wish everyone a happy New Year. I hope they had a merry Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, or whatever they celebrated or didn't celebrate, yep. and. Gonna be cold out. Yeah, real cold. And I just want to say to you, as a newer listener to the show, one, thank you so, so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, Pontificating with Paul and the Proletariat, Stephen, please, 
please tell someone about it. Let them know. Uh, if you don't like the show, please have the decency to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> well, I, I put you all over Facebook, so I definitely people hopefully tuned in. Excellent. Hey, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Is there Thanks. anything we missed? Uh, not that I know of. All right. Thanks. Well, I'm going to give it a shot. The Met She message. I just finished reading uh, my Ken Follett book, The Column of Fire, which takes place in, what, the uh, 16th century. That's about British royalty. So I'm ready to go from the past. So you're going to mix it up. Yeah, into yeah. the future. It's always good as a reader. Yeah. Now, is this book set in present day? Oh, it starts in the late Oh, that's right. Or early 60s. Okay, and then goes it through. It ends up close to the present day, yeah. All right. Stephen Thaburst, thank you so much for joining us on Pontificating with Paul on the Proletariat. And thanks for having me.